Welcome to today's edition of Time in the Vineyard with Pastor Teacher Jeff Toring. Today's broadcast is being brought to you from the pulpit of Liberty Valley Church, Northfield, Ohio. Amos 7, and we'll begin reading in verse 7. Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, A plumb line. Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread and prophesy there. But prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, and it is the king's court. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore, hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. Therefore... Thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall be an harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. If you were to go out west to North Dakota or Montana and Colorado, you will find silos that contain missiles. The payload of these missiles, the warheads, are nuclear. But if you were to travel a little to the southwest into Amarillo, Texas, you'll find a facility that is called the Pantext plant. Uh, This particular facility contains the largest nuclear arsenal in North America. Arms designed to destroy mankind. The most powerful armament That's so far as science has given to us. And we have a full arsenal in several states of our land. But that arsenal pales in comparison to the munitions of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, fear not them that can kill the body. Rather, fear them that can destroy the body and the soul in hell. We are looking at a portion of Scripture 
that is special because it reveals to us the arsenal of God. We need to be acquainted with the arsenal of God. It does no good to be armed without any bullets. It does no good to be armed with bullets and not know how to shoot. You certainly need to tight shot, learn how to shoot, learn how to aim, learn how to load, and do it under pressure. There are things that we would need to know, to learn, in order to be successful. The Bible tells us how we arm ourselves, and in this particular passage of Scripture, the curtain is pulled back, and we are allowed to see that. So what I'd like to do is throw your ribbon in here and go over to the New Testament, and then we'll come back and go through these verses that are our text today, but I'd like to set them up with introduction from uh, the New Testament. So if you would, throw your ribbon and go over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy, a pastoral epistle written by the Apostle Paul to his Lieutenant Timothy. Paul now is nearing the end of his life. He is imprisoned by the government, and he is writing and leaving charge to his lieutenant. As we come into 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says something that is unique to him, because in verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul says, I charge thee before God. That's not the normal language of Paul. Normally, when Paul is giving instructions to someone, he uses the word beseech. I beseech ye, therefore, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and unblameable. That's his normal wording. That's a Pauline word that we get to know. I beseech thee. It's an open arms request of instruction. I want you to do this. And gently and lovingly, open armed, I beseech you to do this. I would like and request that you would, that you would follow these instructions. Paul doesn't do that here. What's happening here is we find ourselves in this final chapter, we find ourselves in the throne room of, of God himself, and direct orders are being given. This is not a request to the lieutenant, but rather direct orders. We are finding ourselves amidst the divine top brass. God himself is given orders, and the orders are being passed down to Timothy. And he says to him, I charge thee. In fact, he says, I charge thee, therefore, before God... And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And this is what the charge is. Preach the word. Now, there's a difference between preaching and teaching. The church doesn't know this. The church is very weak because the church is at large in, in America specifically, but around the world as well, the church needs to know there is definitely a difference between preaching and teaching. Teaching is revealing and reviewing material. You're teaching. But preaching is setting the woods on fire. Preaching, the preacher can be convicted of sedition against the kingdom of darkness. And we should be convicted of sedition against the kingdom of darkness. That is preaching. It's exhorting. It's not just reviewing material or going over new ground. Paul says, I charge thee by the living God, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Notice the reprove. These are corrections. Reprove them by preaching. Rebuke them by preaching. Exhort them and encourage them to move. It does no good to stay in the trenches, brothers. We lift our swords and we run out from the trench and we risk our lives and advance the kingdom. We rush the gates. We're not always on defense or on offense. And he tells us how to do this. He says, preach the word, be instant in season or out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort 
Of course, with all long suffering and doctrine. Doctrine has become a dirty word in the Church of America. A lot of big churches won't reveal what their doctrine is because they don't want you really to know what their doctrine is because doctrine offends people. If I were to say in this group, which I do say, doctrinally, we're not charismatic. We don't believe charismatics. We believe that signs and lions, signs and gifts are of the devil. Now, I might have already offended somebody in our crowd. That's our doctrine. That's our position. The church at large is more interested in the five love languages and your best life now. And Paul says the opposite. Preach with doctrine. They're, they're not interested in a dissertation of your eschatological position. Or they're not in, the church is not interested in a dissertation of the impeccability of Jesus Christ. But they should. What is the impeccability of Jesus Christ? You can't shoot 22 bullets through a 45 gun. These are things that we need to know. And there's a problem with this because we have plenty of teaching that is void of doctrine. Now, to do it actually correctly, you preach and teach at the same time. So you mix in a nice balance of your preaching and your teaching because it does no good to preach and yell and spit and shout with no content. The people must learn the Word of God. But on the other hand, if you just teach them, they just become smart and fat. Might as well just go to Yale or Harvard and learn the nonsense that they teach. We do know that at one time, uh, those were schools that put out preachers of the Word of God. Now they're more concerned with transgender. Why? Because they were sticking 22 bullets in a 45 gun. And he tells us, Paul says, part of this charge is you, you need to do this. You need to preach the word because 4 and verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't because they will be conditioned into this mamby-pamby land of love and peace and joy and, and you know, name it, claim it, all the junk. They'll just be conditioned. They won't be able to no longer endure sound doctrine. In fact, but after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Doctrine, they won't be able to endure it. There's a lot of people that they can't. If you would, we can pick this up in Romans chapter 10 where we left off last week. Paul was at that time quoting from the law, Deuteronomy 30. In fact, if you go into Romans 10 verse 8, he quotes from Deuteronomy 30. He gives then commentary on it as well. The New Testament is a commentary on the Old Testament. That's how we learn. He says in verse 8, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, there's a lot of churches that never say that. I attended one, a little, through my life. We never heard of being born again or saved. Never heard it. 20 years, you, you never hear it. Instead, you hear a canoe story over and over and over and over about a canoe and some canoe ride. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What is more important than that? For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And if you jumped on the verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he starts to ask, he poses a few questions here. Uh, verse 14, Okay, well, if whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And then how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And then he says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, the prophet, he quotes from, Paul quotes from the Isaiah. Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed our report? The question would be then, well, what's, what's wrong here? And then what the apostle does in this next verse so beautifully is he takes us to the place of the highest security clearance. And you can hear almost in between verse 16 and 17, you can hear the movement of the locks of the thick vault door as it turns and clicks and unlocks the vault of the door. And he gives us the arsenal that is behind these locked doors. He shows us the mother load. Verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Brothers, that is the arsenal. It's the hearing of the word of God. And then you'll notice after he unleashes that, there's like, but, 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 but. It's like he's dumbfounded after the door opened and the curtain was drawn back. But, but, look at it. Verse 18, but I say. Verse 19, but I say. Verse 20, but Isaiah. Verse 21, but to Israel. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and they had the whole book, the Jews had the whole entire Old Testament, so then the normal question would be, well, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, certainly they did hear it. So then the next question would be, but I say, have they not heard? Has Israel not heard? Do, have people not heard the Bible? Yes. Verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto all the ends of the world. But then you would say, but wait a minute, because most of the Jews don't believe in Jesus Christ. But if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and you have heard the word of God, yet they do not believe, what is wrong here? Put your finger in here, and I just want to take you over to a few pages to the right in 1 Corinthians, and we'll come back and finish this thought. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 19, look what he says. 1 Corinthians 1.19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? If you go into these Ivy League seminaries, they will all tell you that God is a liar. 
Do you know how many hundreds of thousands of people put their children into high-paying schools, Ivy League schools, where they know that the instructors and the professors will tell them and teach them that God is a liar? And then they come out with letters after their name thinking, well, they are now wise. Paul says, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You mean that salvation doesn't come from the higher echelons of wisdom in the schools, but on the contrary, it comes from the foolishness of some loudmouth behind a box saying these kind of things? That eternity is in the balance by the foolishness of preaching? Yes. But here's what's the interesting part. Because notice that he says, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Wait a minute. I thought you were saved because you believed. Then why would he chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe? Because there's a whole lot of people who are unconverted that believe. In fact, all of humanity believes. Even the devils believe and tremble, and they're not going to heaven. They are not converted. They are not born again. You see, the people who believe need to be saved. And he has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We have a country in the United States that is full of churches of people who are unconverted because we have been putting 22 caliber bullets in a 45 gun. So when we come back to Romans then, when he's asking these questions, Paul says straight out, Romans 10, 17, look, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, well, wait a minute then, but I say, verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? Yes. Verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? Yes. Verse 20, but Isaiah says very boldly, I was found of them that sought me not. Verse 21, but to Israel... All day long I've stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So then he starts chapter 11. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. What they are, they're not cast away. They believe, but they are unconverted believers. Many shall say in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't I do many wonderful works in your name? And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. But, but he continues on a little further. Verse 2, chapter 11. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Know ye not 
what the scripture says of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, and look what, look what happens. Lord, they have killed thy prophets. Now, wait a minute. Verse 3, Lord, they have killed thy prophets. Who's the they? It's their own government. The government of Israel, their own government, killed them, all the prophets. Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. All the prophets were killed because they were carrying the ammunition that could save people. On the contrary, their own government went against the very word of God that would save them and killed them for the very word of God. And now one prophet says to himself, it's, it's like we're by ourselves. It's like good night. I mean, am I the only one who looks at the TV on what's going on and says this is absolutely crazy? And to stand up with the word of God and tell the truth, they will kill you for it. Or they'll imprison you and not try you. They'll throw you in DC gulags for it. So the prophet says to himself, I'm the only one left. And the Lord says to him, no, no, son, you're not the only one left. In fact, there are 7,000 of you that have not bowed the knee to Baal. The remnant. In fact, verse 5, even so, then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now we can go to Amos and understand what he is saying. Look at Amos chapter 7. In chapter 7, we dealt a little bit. Um, not only has he invoked the plumb line, so to know there, that's the standard. There's a standard plumb line that was spoken of. By relation of the plumb line, of course, because the plumb line is a tool for building to make sure that it's straight, to make sure that everything is straight. In conjunction with the plumb line, there is also the cornerstone, the cornerstone that the builders rejected, who is Jesus Christ himself, who happens also to be the plumb line. Because Pontius Pilate asked the question that everyone will have to ask themselves, what shall I do with this Jesus? who is called Christ. And no other questions will matter. What shall I do with this Jesus who is called Christ? Because he's the plumb line and he's the cornerstone. But not only has he invoked the plumb line and the cornerstone to fan the flames here now, Amos the prophet openly rebukes the king. He goes into politics. He rebukes the king openly. He enters now into the ivory tower where there's gold shrines and fine twine linen and purple and silks, a place of liturgy. The liturgical chants. He's entered into the synagogue of Satan. Look at it then. After all these verses and chapters of Amos, we come to verse 10 of chapter 7. Then... Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel, 
and look at it. The land is not able to bear his words. For they shall not endure sound doctrine. They can't handle it. They can't bear it. Verse 11, thus Amoth saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword. That was his message. That was the truth. But, but nobody wanted to hear the truth. We want to hear the, the soft and cushy, loving Jesus and that, and that alone. That's what got our country into the place we're in. But Amos is out there preaching the word of God. He's, he's not just teaching. He's not just with the Presbyterian soft voice saying that Jesus loves you. This I know for the Bible tells me so. He's not saying that. Amos says, he's out there saying, you're, you're the, the king is going to be killed by a sword. And Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also, Amaziah the priest said unto Amos, O thou seer, go. Flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread and prophesy there. In other words, he says, go back to your church out in the sticks. We are very prestigious here. We have letters after our name, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the, 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 the poorest person in our congregation is well into the six figures, and we, we don't like the way that you talk. You say things like, bigly. <laughs> Flee thee away into the hills of Judea. And go ahead and live. Eat bread and prophesy there. Go ahead. We'll, we won't bother you there. You can just have a peaceful life over there. And then he says, but prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, because it is the king's chapel and it is the king's court. The arrogance of the elites. This is the king's chapel here. The fence that's up in D.C. to keep the peasants out. And don't you dare even think of rebuking them in the gate. You can hear the arrogance in their voice, can't you? Prophesy not again anymore at Bethel. For it is the king's chapel and it is the king's court. And good night you talk in your Thurston Howell voice, the third, Charles Gillingham, the third. And, and you know, when we live over in the land of Hudson, Ohio, our, our stuff doesn't stink. <laughs> you can hear it in there. Look at the response of Amos. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet. Neither was I a prophet's son. I am not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. But I was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. In other words, he's saying to these men who have six $5,000 suits and $1,000 haircuts and rings and gold and pearls about their neck and the finest linens about them, the prophet says to him, look, I, I wear car hearts and steel-toed boots. I, I'm a farmer. I'm not even a rich farmer because he says here that I'm a gatherer of sycamore fruit, which means that's not even an expensive fruit. That's like a middle-of-the-road kind of cheap fruit that you'd find on the side of the road for a buck. Got my pistol on my side and rifle on my shoulder. And while I was doing that, just a farm boy, Verse 15, the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, go prophesy unto my people Israel. So I'm just doing what I was told. And the Lord told me to do it, so I'm doing it. But now look what he says. Now therefore, hear thou the word 
of the Lord. This is in the, in the Wild West movie, you know, when there's the standoff and, and he unbuttons his coat and flips it back. The prophet will do that. Because he's about to pull out his gun and draw. And the arsenal is the word of God. It ain't my stories, it ain't my jokes, it ain't my quotes. That won't save anybody. But the Word of God will quicken you and make you alive because faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Now therefore hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. And look what happens because he hinders the word of God. Now remember, Amaziah is a priest. This is not a nobody. He is a high-ranking, high-paid priest of the glorious temple in Bethel. But because he hinders the word of God, look what he will face. Verse 17, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall be a harlot in the city. Yeah, your wife, she's going to be a whore of the street, a woman of the night. Because you hindered the word of God. And it gets worse. Not only therefore, thus saith the Lord, thy wife shall be a harlot in the city, your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line. Thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall go into captivity forth of his land. All due to the lack of preaching the word of God. You want to know why our land is in trouble? It's the same plumb line. Jesus Christ, today, yesterday, and forever, I changeth not, for I am God. His word changes not. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away, for they are the standard, they are the plumb line, and that never changes. Our country is in a bind because we'd have the very dearth of preaching the word of God. If that be the case, then you can think to yourself, things may go south, and it may be dark, and it may look bleak. But brothers, don't forget... There are 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Peradventure, there are some missing, though. What if there's only 700 that have not bowed the knee? Will you destroy the land then? Certainly a righteous God would not do that. Do you see the intercession? Do you see it all coming from Genesis 18? Brothers, if there's 7,000 or 700, we are the 700. We have the arsenal. We are the Calvary, and there is no other. But most of the camp of Israel lays still in mediocrity. No more mediocrity. Do it. It's the only hope. And who knows if you have not been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. So take heart. 
You believe in God. You believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. been listening to Time in the Vineyard with Pastor Teacher Jeff Toring. Today's broadcast was brought to you from the pulpit of Liberty Valley Church, Northfield, Ohio. For more information, you can call the church at 330-554-7606 or check us out on the web at libertyvalleychurch.org. That's libertyvalleychurch.org.